Yeah, I know. If you're watching on YouTube, ooh, the light's off. I've got the natural light coming in this way. I've got the ring light coming in this way. They don't match up for whatever reason, even though they're both white light, as far as I understand. But that doesn't matter. That's neither here nor there. We're back with another episode of The Detroiter. You know what it is at this point. If you don't, I feel like, A, whoever, however you discovered me, it's probably pretty self-explanatory. B, it's kind of in the name. C, covering sports in the Motor City and the Mitten State. You know how it goes around these parts. Pretty slow day. Pretty slow week. Pretty slow everything. I mean, it's July 25th. Tigers are chasing the Twins. They're still seven games back. They're losing right now 4-2. Bottom of the eighth. Riley Green is on first. Matt Veerling at the dish. 2-1 count. The pitch. Skies it. Skies it. Um, the catcher, third baseman's coming over. That's the inning. We're going to go to the top of the ninth. Tigers losing 4-2. So it's not looking good for the Tigs. We talked last week for the first time in a long time about the Detroit Tigers. And especially the first time in a long time where the tone wasn't, I fucking hate these guys. So that was pretty fun. We had that one episode, right? We had that one moment. We had that day where it was like, you know, I think they had just taken two or three from Seattle. They had just swept whoever they play or taken three or four from Kansas city or something. It was like, Hey, all right, things are all right here. We're kind of winning some games. Unfortunately, Minnesota also was winning some games. Unfortunately, now we have to play good teams. Unfortunately, we're playing the angels. They're above 500. I think they're third in their division. Looking like we're going to lose this one. We got to play them twice more. And then to start August, we play the twins like 20 times in a row. So that'll be it. I mean, if we play the twins 20 times, it's not 20, but it's a lot of them in August, win 75% of those games, all right. We might be cooking with gas once again, but it doesn't look like it's going that way. That's fine, dude. I mean, it is what it is with the Tigers, right? Like, we we have the fun. They won the other night. They played San Francisco one-game series, beat them 5-1. Riley Green, Spencer Torkelson, Kerry Carpenter, absolutely carried Tariq Skubal. He shoved. That's, that's where we're at with the Tigers. It's the same place we've been with them. Um, the Pistons, the Red Wings, I don't know. The Lions are a little different, I suppose, but it's the same place we've been with all those teams since I graduated high school. We've covered it a million times. We know it's not going to be anything great. We know it's probably not leading to anything like actual tangible success on the field. So you know what? All these 18, 19, 20, 21 year old guys, all the investments we have, let's root for them. Hopefully these high draft picks, these young guys we're banking on, they come around, they produce. They've been pretty good. Riley Green, Torkelson, and Kerry Carpenter have all been pretty good for the Tigers, at least since the All-Star break. So that's been fun. Hopefully they at least can continue what they've been doing since the break, even if, you know, we never even come close to the Twins, even if the season ends how it probably should, which is missing the playoffs home early, regrouping for next year, talking about whatever free agent signings that aren't going to happen, talking about these, these guys taking the next step that may or may not happen. That's what we have to watch now with the Tigs. Let's hope the young guys do some stuff. Let's hope these young guys that take the mound do some things. Let's hope Riley Green keeps it up. I think he's two for three or two for four again today. Torkelson's got an OPS over 900 since June something. Um, Kerry Carpenter's been good. Let's hope they – let's hope those guys perform. That's pretty much where it's at. Uh, there's nothing to get upset about. You know, I mean, we knew what the season was coming in. I would almost say, like – Looking at the roster to start the season for Detroit, I feel like they've almost overachieved. I know we're in the worst division ever assembled. Um, I know we're still like eight games under 500, seven games out of the lead. 
But it, that's still eight games under 500. Still, you look at the team that they assembled coming into the year with the injuries that we had. Eight games under feels like, all right, that's pretty good. At least they compete. At least these guys win these games. Like, at least it's 4-2 and not 14-2, you know? So that's where we're at with the takes. It was a fun little run. Who knows? We'll bounce around, like I said, until August is over and done with, until we play all those games against the Minnesota Twins. Who knows what will actually happen? Like, some miracle shit could go down uh, water into wine, right? The Feast of the Seven Fishes. We take 10 out of 15 against Minnesota, and we're right back in this thing. That could happen. Who knows? But for the time being, just enjoy the young guys. Root on the people that are important, the guys who are going to be a part of the team or at least are supposed to be when we actually are good again, if that day ever fucking comes. That's kind of where we're at now. Um, Other news, I don't know, Red Wings, it's been quiet since the Brinkett, which you kind of expect. I mean, there's a couple other names out there. I know uh, the William Nylander. His name's been thrown around. He doesn't seem like a guy. I think he wants 10 mil a year. Doesn't seem like a guy Steve Eiserman would be too keen on. I mean, we look at the Brinkett. They're pretty much the same player. You look at the numbers. You look at the production. Steve got the Brinkett on a fucking deal. He got him on a shorter contract, that kind of bridge-type deal. And he got him on a bargain money-wise. So I don't know if after getting a goal scorer at good term and good money, I don't know if going and getting a William Nylander for $10 million a year, whatever the hell he wants Toronto to pay him, doesn't really seem like, uh, pardon me, Steve Eiserman's bag, but you never know. They've been pretty quiet. The Pistons, Summer League's over. We talked about Osar Thompson. Marcus Sasser had, I think, the 40-point game to close out the season, um, and now we're just waiting for them. Cade, there's off-season videos of Cade knocking down threes at Lifetime Fitness, dude. I fucking love Pistons fans, bro. I, I got so much respect for you guys. Like, the die-hard Pistons fans – we got guys, I'm scrolling through Twitter, retweeting videos of Cade in shorts and a t-shirt at a Lifetime Fitness or wherever the hell he is, knocking down threes against, I don't know, college guys, pros, don't know who he's playing with or against. Andre Drummond was one of the guys. And I got guys on the timeline going, man, you forget how good Cade is at basketball. I'd hope he's all right in the open run at LA fucking fitness. You got guys going, man, Cade's going to be scary when he comes back. I hope he looks scary playing against whoever happened to be at LA fitness on that Wednesday at 1 PM. I don't know. I mean, that's where we're at. (laughs) That's where we're at with the Pistons right now. They didn't use the free agency money for anything for the third year in a row. Got Joe Harris, got Monty Morris. Okay. That's great. Um, Cade's coming off the injury. We're going to hear about how great he is. I do, but like I said, I like Cade. I'm a Cade guy. I mean, I'm not – I can't get fired up over Cade in an open run. I just can't. Uh, We saw the rookies. That was something. Osar Thompson, we did a whole episode – a good segment on one of the previous episodes about him. That is something to get excited about. That is a guy where it's like, hey, if you're a diehard Pistons fan and you've been bleeding your fucking eyes out watching these guys 82 times a year for the past few – Osar Thompson, a guy, that's someone you should be excited about. The performance he put on in Summer League, that is something that you should point towards and say, hey, fucking forget Cade and Duran and all the other guys. This alone will be better. So they've been quiet since Summer League, not much happening. Football, there's a little bit of news. Football, there's a little bit of news. The Lions, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, the most miraculous recovery in the history of football, in the history of the need, in the history of human beings being bipedal. Um, one second, I wake up Monday morning. I'm getting texts from my friends. I'm scrolling through Twitter. It is fucking doomsday, dude. I thought the Lions got shut down. I thought the franchise folded. 
CJ Gardner-Johnson carted off, non-contact injury, doesn't look good. That's what I see right off the rip. Obviously disappointing. That's one of the guys, he's got the experience. He was in the Super Bowl last year. He's a fucking dog. He's at a position of need. I mean, you look at the roster last year, nothing, nothing we needed more than defensive backs. And we got some other guys, Mosley, Sutton, uh, drafting Brian Branch. But, man, it's like that's one of those dudes we were counting on to kind of revamp the defense. And the defense did come along at the end of last season. But that was a guy you're hoping takes it to another level. He's done. He's done for the year. Lunchtime comes around. They're saying it's nothing. They're saying he's going to be all right. You go on Twitter today, Dan Campbell, yeah, he'll be out a day or two. Don't know what happened. Don't know how anybody – unless he had to take a shit out of his knee. Don't know how anybody is carted off for a non-contact injury and then is good to go three hours later. Don't know what happened. I don't know. Like, I I legitimately, I don't know. It's not like a twisted ankle where, fuck, man, that thing hurts. And then you kind of run it off and, all right, you're you're not so bad anymore. Don't know how that happened, but thank God it did. CJ looks like he'll be okay. Um, But I want to, there is one thing I want to address regarding the CJ thing. Like I said, it happened doomsday. Why are the Lions cursed? Only the Lions every year can't have shit in Detroit. Every single thing. Look, CJ, he dodged the bullet. He's okay for now. Someone is going to get hurt this year. Someone's going to get hurt. And this goes for everyone. Michigan State, Michigan, um, your favorite high school football team, your kid's peewee team, the flag football team you play in on Thursday night with your buddies. Someone's going to get injured. Flag football, someone's probably pulling a hammy. NFL, someone's getting concussed. Like somebody important on all of those teams is going to get injured at some point this season. Now, you hope it doesn't happen to anybody. You certainly hope it doesn't happen to anybody critical. You certainly hope it's not a a terrible injury that shuts them down for the year. But the nature of the game, dude, football is fucked up, man. Did you watch that quarterback series? I was watching that this last week, and I'm sitting there going, dude, This game is fucking nuts. I'm sitting there going, how did I play? I played in high school. How how did I play high school football, let alone college, let alone the professional level? These guys got 16-wheelers. Kirk Cousins is just standing, totally exposed. 16-wheeler, just mows them in half. It is a fucked up sport. Someone, guys are going to get hurt. It's just the way it goes. So when it does happen, if you're a team like U of M, right? You're deep. You're built for injury. Like you'll be all right. Obviously if JJ McCarthy gets injured, question marks, but you saw critical player Blake Corum last year went down with an injury. Donovan Edwards steps in up to the production, I believe, right? No problem. No harm, no foul. The lions. I know this is a bit uncharted here. We were nine and eight last year. That was great. Missed the playoffs, but nine and eight for the Detroit lions after the one and six start. That's a Lombardi fucking trophy. As far as I'm concerned, Now the Lions coming into this year, we added some pieces like we mentioned. Expectations are higher. Guys are coming back. Ben Johnson, one of the best offensive coordinators in the entire league, is turning down head coaching opportunities to come back and try and and get closer, at least, to finishing the job with Detroit. Guys are going to get hurt. I know it's uncharted for the Cats. I know it's been a long-ass time since we've gone into the season, and it's not even like blind optimism as Lions fans because that's every year, right? Like – we knew they were going to be bad last year. 
but I wasn't going in going, we're going to go 0-17, fuck it, this season's pointless. You're still going in like, hey, I don't know, we'll see what happens. The offensive line should be all right. We got Hutchinson, we'll see. It's year two for the coaches. I don't know, we'll see. Like, you go in with some level of optimism. I'm sure every bit fan base does it, but us Lions fans certainly, certainly are guilty of it. But now it's a new level, right? You got people on ESPN picking the Lions to contend for the NFC. You've got Rand, the, the talking heads, the analytics community, everybody who talks about football. Talk, hey, the Lions, I don't know if they're going to win the Super Bowl, but they, you got to keep your eye on them. They might give the Eagles a run for that NFC championship. We're getting talked about the, the anticipation, the hype, the pressure is at a level surrounding this team that it hasn't been for a very long time. And even when the pressure and the hype has been around the Lions, I don't know if it's ever been as warranted as it is this year. Like, you look at the team, why shouldn't we be good? Look at how we won games last year. The offensive line dominated. We ran the ball. We just brought in Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery. I'd say that's an upgrade over DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams, no matter how good both of them were. Assuming Jameer Gibbs stays on the field, he's going to be more of a weapon in the passing game. I got to believe he's at least the same kind of guy running the football as DeAndre Swift. And I think David Montgomery is just a flat-out better player than Jamal Williams, despite him breaking Barry Sanders' record. The offensive line, everybody's coming back. You hope some of these younger guys like Penny Sewell, maybe they get even better. Jared Goff should be more comfortable in the offense, should be more, you know, confident in his abilities, the chemistry he has with a guy, Amon Ross St. Brown. He was a problem last year. You would expect him to get better. Jamison Williams, he's going to miss the first six, but he should be healthy, ready to go full throttle when he does come back. That's another weapon. Denzel Mims, they just went and got Marvin Jones. They spent the high pick on Sam Laporta, who by all accounts is one of the better players on the team already. Apparently, he's blowing everybody out of the water at the tight end position. You look across the Ben Johnson, like we said, spurning head coach jobs to come back and coach the offense. That The offense should be as good, if not better, as it was last year. And it was great last year. And then you look at the defense. All of those same guys coming back right along the defensive line. That's kind of what came along, what brought the defense to life the latter half of the year when it did come to life was guys like Aiden Hutchinson, James Houston getting after the QB. Ali McNeil's in there. He said he slimmed down. He feels better. He kept his strength. Um, Levi Unzawerke, apparently now he's playing for the first time ever. Uh, Josh, is it Josh or Zach Pascal, dude? I can never, I think it's Josh Pascal. He should be more healthy. He should be more dynamic. He should bring more. The linebacking crew. You added another guy, high pick, Jack Campbell, Anzalone, Malcolm Rodriguez, Derek Barnes. They're all back. You'd think they should be the same, if not better. And then the secondary, like we said, I think we added three guys through free agency. We added another in Brian Branch through the draft. Tracy Walker hopefully stays healthy this year. Kirby Joseph, he's coming back. The secondary should be significantly better, if not at least the same. You look at the Detroit Lions all the way across the board. Coaching staff, Dan Campbell. For all of all the great things he does, you look at his faults last year, maybe some questionable game clock management, maybe a couple questionable decisions. You would like to think he has learned from the mistakes he's made. Hopefully he gets a little bit better at managing a game. Aaron Glenn, right? He was on the hot seat to start the season, the first half. What's this guy doing? Can he coach defense? All of a sudden, everybody's tune changes by the end of the year against Green Bay. Hopefully now he's kind of found a rhythm. He understands what works against certain teams with the certain personnel he's been provided with by the Detroit Lions. Like all of these things, everything it feels like has either stayed the same or has improved. And if the Detroit Lions snuck into the playoffs last year 
if Baker Mayfield and the fucking embarrassment of a team, the Los Angeles Rams rolled out against Seattle in week 17 last year, didn't blow it. I don't know if there's a team outside of the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't know if there's a team you would want to face less in the playoffs than that Detroit Lions team last year. Like if you if the Philadelphia Eagles, if the Lions snuck in, the Eagles were praying and hoping and doing everything, rain dance, you name it, praying to God they don't see the Detroit Lions. I guarantee it. You look at it, yeah, there's the hype. Yeah, that could add a, a you know an unexpected element. Yeah, that could fuck with people. Hopefully being talked about and hopefully being in the media and the pressure from the fan base and you know the pressure they, they, these guys put on themselves, hopefully that doesn't twist things up too much and get things out of whack. But like it's it's warranted the hype. Like this isn't just Lions fans being Lions fans. This isn't just us getting excited and being hopeful and we can't possibly stand another year of losing. So fuck it, dude. This is the year. This is an actual football team that was scary at the end of last year. Once they figured it out, they were scary. They were methodically beating teams. They were beating good teams. Even the games they were losing, they were losing close, minus that Panthers game, which was an abomination. But, dude, it's warranted, the hype around this team. An injury is going to hit. There's probably a good chance an injury hits to a guy we need. Jake Rogers. Jake Rogers, another single. The Tigers are moving around the bases here. Top of the ninth, or bottom of the ninth, pardon me. 6-3 Angels. Jake Rogers just hit an RBI single. We got runners at first and second. One out. I believe we're going to the top of the order here, folks. I believe we're going to the top of the order here, folks. Hold the fucking phone. Pardon the interruption. 6-3. The Tigers are not done yet. They want this one. The Tigers are not done yet. Hey, they can smell blood in the water. They know this division's weak. They feel a little bit of electricity in the clubhouse and in Comerica tonight. This team is not done yet. 6-3. Bottom of the ninth. One out. We got guys on first and second, and the Angels are... Are they going to make a pitching change here? No, no. They're going to keep them in. Estevez, they're going to let Estevez, they're going to throw him to the fucking dogs. Zach McKinstry at the dish. Let's see what Zach can do. Top of the order. He's one for four tonight. Put something in play here, Zach. Put something in play here, Zach. Station to station. Now, boys, get back to Riley Green. Get back to Torque. Get back to Kerry, and we'll see what we can do. Someone's going to get hurt for the line. Someone important. Hopefully it's not Goff, Taylor Decker, Penny Sewell, Jameer Gibbs, Amon Ra. Hopefully it's none of these guys. Hopefully it's not Hutch. Hopefully it's not C.J. Gardner. Hopefully it's none of these guys, right? Hopefully it's the backup punter. Hopefully it's the 12th string linebacker. Hopefully it's a practice squad guy. But probably in the game of football, someone important is going to get hurt. We got to learn. We got to learn to batten down the hatches, to keep this shit together. Look, football is the ultimate team game. Even if you do lose a guy like Jared Goff, you lose the most important position on the field. Even if you lose a guy like Aiden Hutchinson, who is just a playmaker, a difference maker, Shit, it rolls on, bro. The sun comes up tomorrow. We got more games to play. There's going to be a moment in this season. And you know what? It may not even be injury. There's going to be a point in this season where the Lions hit severe adversity. Fouled it off. The Lions hit severe adversity. And it doesn't look good. And you might start to lose the fa- Maybe it's just, they, they just don't score points for a couple weeks. Maybe Dan Campbell fucks something up. 
Maybe golf throws three interceptions. I don't know what it is. Maybe the defense just get they're a sieve for a couple weeks. Maybe it is people getting hurt. There's going to be a position or a point this season where we hit some adversity. And you should have learned the lesson last year. We started off one and six. People were jumping ship. I remember this clear as day, bro. People calling for Dan Campbell's job. People talking about how Aaron Glenn doesn't know what he's doing. People calling Aiden Hutchinson of us. I remember it clear as day. We were one and six. We're losing games close. We're losing games in Lions fashion like that Minnesota game. And everybody's ready to jump ship. I remember it. I remember it. We're going to hit adversity. You got to learn, especially with a team this stacked, especially with the expectations and what the team's capable of. Like, forget the expectations. What this roster is capable of. You're going to have to suck it up, say, you know what, dude, that fucking sucks, but let's get right. Let's bounce back. Just because this happened doesn't mean that has to happen. Just because one guy has a season-ending injury doesn't mean the defense has to fall apart. Just because one guy gets suspended for a few games doesn't mean he's a bad player. Just because one guy has a few, you know, crummy games, he's throwing interceptions, he's missing blocks, whatever the case, doesn't mean the offense is toast for the year. There's going to be a point where some bad stuff goes down, an injury, whatever. You got to just nut up, dude, and say, we're going to get through it. We're a good enough team. We got the coaching staff. We got the players. We've got the fucking balls in the locker room. Riley Green, Riley Green, base knocked on the right field line, scores one. Is it going to score two? The relay. No, no, no. Nope. Held him at third. Nick made. Yep, held him at third. Oh, that dog of mine. We got Riley Green at second. Jake Rogers at third. Two outs. Score is 6-4 Angels. Spencer Torkelson at the dish. Riley Green is a fucking menace, bro. I think he's 3-5 for again today. This guy's insane, dude. He he rakes, bro. He's a machine. Anyways, let's see if the Tigers can pull this off. When the adversity hits, just like let's, let's be fortified a little bit. Nothing drives me more crazy. Then like seeing what happened last year where we start off one and six, and I know one and six is bad. I know there should be some questions. I know it's like you gotta figure it out. Like you do have to straighten it out at one and six. It's not, well, if we finish three and thirteen, who cares? No, no, no. If you start off one and six, you better figure it the fuck out and finish nine and eight like they did. But please, for the love of God, can we not do the sky is falling? Let's jump ship. That's the same old lines. Can we not do that routine? The first time something bad happens, thank God C.J. Gardner-Johnson's okay for the time being. But it's going to happen at some point. It's the game of football. Can we please not go, well, there goes that season. The one time, Torkelson to center, back, warning track. Oh, oh, what happened? Ground rule double? <laughs> Is that a ground rule double? He He missed it. He missed the catch. The center fielder was running back. He tried to scoop it behind the ground rule double. Both runs score. It's 6-6. It's 6-6. Spencer Torkelson standing on second. Two outs. Kerry Carpenter at the dish. What was the center fielder doing? What was the center fielder doing? Torkelson smoked this. Yep, high cheese. And he's just going to take you to dead center. Got under it a little bit. He's going to take you dead center. The center fielder. Oh, Oh, what are you doing, pal? What are you doing, pal? Oh, he tried to bread basket over his shoulder. Underhand bounces, warning track goes over. Tie ball game in Comerica. This team has no quit. 
this team wants it. They want Minnesota. That was electric. I wish the sound was on. Fuck. That was, that was great. That was great. Oh, no. Oh, no. They pinch hit. Oh, no. They pinch hit for Kerry Carpenter. It's Matt Veerling standing in two outs. Game tied. Torkelson at second. Angels are going to have a meeting at the mound, maybe make a pitching change. Just don't do this guy's falling routine. That's all I ask, dude. That shit is exhausting. Have a little bit of like, fuck it. I don't care. We're going to persevere. We're going to prevail. Have a little bit of that. I feel like the Lions are the number one fan base. Granted, I'm not paying attention to all 31 NFL teams. I'm not paying attention to all the – I pay attention to Detroit and MSU. I feel like the Lions of all those – all the fan bases I'm a part of are the number one, like a bad – one, one. One fucking thing. One bad thing happens, and everyone goes, oh, it's over. His career's over. This team stinks. Same old lines. Of course, the one year we're supposed to be good, it all comes crashing down. Let's just stand in. The first time something bad happens, let's stand in and move along and figure it the fuck out because we got the team, the coaches, the organization, the front office to do it for the first time in ages. Because we can. Because we can. Even if you don't think we can, I'm telling you, we can. Quick break. Veerling swings, fouled. Fuck, I guess I'll stay live for this Veerling at bat. I guess I'll stay live for this Veerling at bat. After this, I want to talk a little Jim Harbaugh. I want to talk a little bit of Jim Harbaugh. He's a liar and he's a cheater, and it's a damn shame because those kids are supposed to look up to him at Michigan. He's molding these young men. Forget football. He's supposed to send these men off into the, into the real world better than he found them. And he's teaching them to cheat. And then he's teaching them to lie about the cheating. I mean, it's a disgusting thing for a guy who talks about religion. I'm pretty sure cheating. I'm pretty sure lying. Those are, those are, those are deadly sins. As far as I'm aware, I'm not the most religious man on earth. Veerling punched out, but the Tigers tie it. We're going to extras. Quick break. We'll talk Harbaugh. Well, the Tigers did it um, since the break, which was like five minutes. The Angels have scored in the top of the 10th. It's 7-6. They got a guy at third, one out. Um, so, you know, we'll see. Anyways, that was a fun inning. That was a fun half inning, and it's Riley Green. It's Spencer Torkelson. It's exactly what I just said. Are the? It's the one thing to get excited about with the Tigers, whether or not they win or lose. That doesn't look good. He's going to make a play at third. Got him at third. Holy fuck, Jake Rogers. Mickey Moniak, bro. Mickey Moniak, dude, is single-handedly blowing the game for the Los Angeles Angels. I love Mickey. I live in Orange County. I go to Angels games a fair amount. Mickey's one of the guys. It's Shohei, it's Mickey, and it's Mike. And he's blowing the game right now for the Angels, and it's incredible to see against my Tigers. Anyways, Jim Harbaugh. Oh, man. Oh, Oh, my heart just breaks for those kids, you know, because it's, it's so much bigger than football. What 1% of them go pro. I mean, those guys go to a, a university like mission that they think is about integrity and honesty and doing the right thing. And then they're being nurtured and taught by this guy who's cheating. And not only is he cheating, he's going to go ahead and lie about that cheating. It's just, I don't know. I just worry that those kids leave that university and now they're saying, Hey, well, remember coach Harbaugh, he used to lie and cheat and steal. So 
maybe we should lie, cheat, and steal. It's just so, yeah, you know what I mean? Like it just breaks my heart for those kids, breaks my heart for their parents who think in good conscience they're sending them off to the right place. Little do they know the guy leading them is lying and cheating and stealing. It's just such a shame. You know, you can talk all you want about Mel Tucker and maybe the job he's done and the money he's making and the tunnel incident, um, although that wasn't Mel Tucker swinging the helmets. That wasn't Mel Tucker telling those guys to do that stuff. You know, one guy has been investigated and found in the wrong, been convicted of wrongful doing, been convicted of cheating, been convicted of lying. And the other guy, yeah, he's won the Big Ten a couple times the last few years. Yeah, he's beaten Ohio State. Yeah, he's been to the college football playoff. But all for what at this point, right? Like the legacy now, you can't help but think about the Jim Harbaugh era at the University of Michigan as, you know, kind of underwhelming. And then when he did find that success, that big-time success, overshadowed by lying and cheating and doing the moral high ground. He's a man of God. He's a man of religion. And he's, you know, sinning. couple of sins are lying and cheating. That's not good. You know, the H man, Jesus H, not the J man, Jesus H Christ. He's not cool with lying. He's not cool with cheating. He doesn't want that stuff going on, right? Like he wasn't giving out the loaves and the fishes to the people that were lying about paying for recruits. You know what I'm saying? Like he wasn't giving out the wine that turns into water and running across water and doing all those cool tricks, resurrecting himself after three days. He's not doing that for the people that are hosting kids illegally during dead periods and COVID. You know what I'm saying? Like he's not doing that for those guys. He's doing it for the guys like Mel Tucker that are by the book, that are following the rules, that are doing things the right way, that, uh, you know, have the bigger picture. It's not all about the game. It's not all about football. It's about molding these men into people we want in society, to people that are going to further and better our society. And it just breaks my heart. You know, it's tough to see with all the success. And now the whole legacy, the whole era, the last two seasons specifically, just overshadowed by, by, by cheating and by lying, you know, the four game suspension. It's nice to the NCAA, you know, they came in, they cracked down, they said, you can't do that. And we're going to punish you for it. It's good to see them standing on the rules and forcing punishment when people are found of wrongdoing it's good to see that for a change in this crazy fucked up twisted world but man you just your heart breaks for those kids hopefully you know that four game period i hope the interim guy at michigan sharon moore or whoever it's going to be i hope he doesn't cheat i hope he doesn't lie i hope he doesn't let those kids think that all those things are okay because you never know where it starts where is it going to end Got assistant coaches who are downloading stuff on laptops that we never find out. We got Mozzie Smith doing a thousand miles an hour with a gun in the car. I mean, you never know where stuff ends. And um, I will say, I will say the one positive about Jim Harbaugh not being busted, not being sentenced to the suspension until July of 2023 is it's a good thing back in October of 2022 when that tunnel incident did happen. Nobody knew he was cheating and lying. Um, because then he could run to the microphones and say how punishment, the severest punishment needs to be brought down upon those kids. You know, if Jim Harbaugh, if he was living by his own word, right? If he didn't want to be hypocritical, he'd probably self-suspend himself for the entire season. He might step down. I mean, Jim Tressel, he got canned because guys got a tattoo because kids went out and put some artwork on their body that meant something to them. Jim Harbaugh, you know, he's uh, these kids in the helmets and the tunnels, 
they need the most severe punishment. We got to bring legal action upon them. If he was a man of his word, a man of God, like he says he is, do you think four games in his mind, he shouldn't be able to sleep only having four games. That should feel a little bit light to Jim Harbaugh. If he was a man of his word, if he wasn't hypocritical, I mean, he gave that rant talking about this, that, the other, we're going to pursue legal action. We're going to press charges doing the grandstanding, the moral high ground. He's superior to everybody else, especially Michigan State. Little does everyone know he's lying and cheating all along. So you'd think a guy to begin with, you're lying and cheating, and then you're going to throw hypocrisy of the worst degree on top of all of that, trying to not only being hypocritical, but trying to derail the lives of 18-year-olds who Mel Tucker is doing everything he can. He's suspending them. He's enforcing his punishments, trying to mold these guys in the great young men when they enter the real world. I mean, Jim Harbaugh, you'd think he just would be sick over only four games. You'd think that would really make Jim just just wouldn't sit right. You know, it's a shame what happened at U of M. Hate to hear it for the kids. Hate to hear it for their families. Hate to hear it for society. You know, I don't want Wolverine alumni coming into the world thinking, hey, we should lie and cheat to get this job. Hey, we should lie and cheat our friends out of, out of money or take advantage of them because it helps us. You know, we might win another game. I don't want, you know, we don't need more people like that in the world. And Jim Harbaugh, he's perpetuating it. He's lying about it. He's grandstanding. He's being hypocritical. It's just gross. It's just gross. Um, hopefully he gets it figured out. You know, hopefully he has a long, hard look in the mirror. Hopefully he goes to church this Sunday. Hopefully confessional, the priest gives it to him a little bit because he needs to hear it. You know, NCAA's trying. Lord knows the AD at U of M isn't doing shit about it. Hopefully the priest at communion Sunday lets him know, hey, Jim, you do know that lying and cheating, those are sins, right? Hopefully someone gives him an earful because God damn, does he need it, especially when, when he's being trusted with the lives and the futures of 18-year-old kids. It's kind of sickening when you think about it. Um, last thing I want to mention is the MSU jerseys. So a leak apparently, I guess on Rally House or somewhere on the internet where you buy replica jerseys, Javi Baez. No outs, bottom of the 10th. Javi Baez at the dish. We got, uh, I think, the last out, so that'll be Veerling. He can run a little bit. He's at second base. Tigers down one. We'll see if they can pull something out of their ass. MSU, so there's jersey reveals, or, or a jersey leak. We've been seeing all this stuff on Twitter. July 28th, July 28th, July 28th. It looks like they're going to make an announcement. God damn it, Javi. Grounds out to short. Veerling stays put. One out. And everybody's been speculating, is it a new jersey reveal? Is MSU rebranding? What's going on? Are we getting alternate jerseys? Are we getting a black jersey? Well, some youth sizes of replica souvenir jerseys dropped, and it does appear MSU is getting a little bit of a rebrand. Um, I like them. I don't think they're too crazily different. I mean, the only thing that is really different is just the sleeve. Uh, it used to be all covered in the Greek pattern, and now there's just a Greek stripe. It's tough to gauge because the jersey pictures that people buy are like the loose sleeves, like they're kind of like T-shirts, where obviously when guys wear them under the pads, they're tucked in and it looks way cleaner. So it's tough to judge what they're going to look like until we see them on a guy in pads with the like tucked up cutoff sleeves. But, you know, we'll be seeing that in a couple days here. I assume MSU is going to put out a sweet-ass video to kind of get people fired up with it. The one big, big, big revelation, I like the jerseys. I think the whites are clean. Um, I think the greens are clean. I think the the blacks are clean. That's the big one. They got a black alternate. So we're going to have the classic green, going to have the classic white, and then we're going to have a black alternate with the green Greek stripe on the sleeve. I like them. I'm interested to see what they do with the helmets. I know there was the rumor of 
same type deal. Like people could buy souvenir black MSU helmets where the helmet's black, the face mask is black, and the Spartan head's green and the stripes green. I thought the helmets were okay. I feel like if you're going to go that route, maybe a green face mask. I don't know. I don't know if that's exactly what they're going to do with the helmets. Andy Abanya strikes out, two outs, Veerling still at second. Tiger's still down. But I do like the jersey. And again, we'll see what what they do with the pants. I don't know if they're going to go all blacks, black with white pants. I don't know what the what it's all going to look like. We'll find out soon enough. But I do like the black jersey. I do like just doing new alternates. I wish we would just throw the neons away. Like, I wish we would just move on to new alternates. It's cool. We've got the gruff, the gruff Sparty and we've got the skirt, the um, script state and we've got the block S throwbacks. I wish we would just move on from the neons. Like let's do the all whites. Like we did against Michigan last year. Let's do the blacks. Let's do a slate gray. Let's go back to the bronze. Like those ones we wore against Oregon in 2015, even the bronze we wore before that back in the Kirk cousins era. I thought those were clean. Let's do some other stuff. The neon stinks. Yeah, there's better variations of it. The neon just isn't like we have so many better options. MSU does. Why do we even need? Why is neon even like in the picture? Why is neon even an option? We don't need to fucking do neon, dude. We got plenty of other colorways out there. And on that note, one other thing. As much as I do love the alternates and all the other helmets and all the other jerseys and combinations, I wish state, I hope, like I hope we wear just the traditionals more. Like I love when state wears just the play, the classic green with green pants or the classic green with white pants and the green helmet, the classic white with the white pants with the green helmet. I like when state wears the traditional jerseys. MSU to me feels like a school that is kind of traditional. Like, yes, it is cool. I agree when we do the gruff Sparty and we do these different colorways and we do the alternate jerseys and we do with the whites with the green bottoms and all the other, you know, mixing and matching. Yeah, it is cool. It's fun to see new jerseys. It's fun. I'm sure it's a great recruiting tool. But to me, Michigan State feels like a like a pretty traditional place, right? I wish we would wear the green, like the home greens, the away whites, like just the plain jerseys a little bit more. Doesn't need to be every week. We play 12 games, maybe six, seven of those games, you wear the traditional jerseys, and then the other five, six, you can throw in the alternates. It felt like to me the last two years, it feels like we wear the home greens, Tigers lose, strikeout, Tigers lose. To me, the last two years, it feels like we wear the regular greens once, the regular whites once, and then it's mixing and matching alternates, all kinds of crazy shit every other week of the year. That's what it feels like to me, which is fine, but like, let's just do the, the classics more. Let's, the classics are fucking sick. They're classics for a reason. Let's do those more. Even if it was like eight times a year, we wear the traditionals, either green top with green pants, green top with white pants, white top with white pants, maybe white top with green pants. Like let's run those eight times a year. I love the logo, like MSU's logo, the Spartan head. Let's wear those helmets more. And then the other four or five games, throw in the gruff Sparty, throw in the big MSU stencil, like throw in the different shit, the other games, but let's be a little more classic. Um, We'll see how they do, but that is my one complaint. Like it's fun having the alternates, but that is my one complaint with how the jerseys have gone since Mel took over. It's like, we're always doing alternates. I miss the traditionals. I miss those dude. They're fucking sweet. Wear them. We're Michigan state. Like we don't need to be too over the top all of the time. All right. That's all I got. Appreciate everyone tuning in. Like I said, pretty slow week, not much going on. Kind of expect the same all the way up until football starts. So until then, who knows? We'll, we'll be 
chatting shit about whatever it is. Tigers lose. I hope you guys have a good week. We'll catch you next time.